1: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always I'm Brendan and
0: I'm Taylor
1: and we are very very excited to welcome back uh, a friend of the pod today. You know him on Twitter as NTRider825 or Night Rider. It's I think we're still up for debate on what the actual <laughs> pronunciation is but our, our friend Kevin is joining us on the pod again. Kevin how are you and thanks for coming on.
2: I- I'm doing really well. I, I do um, I want to thank you for having me on and I guess before we get going, I just want to ask, um, you know, to make sure Taylor's going to be okay to do this podcast after the news yesterday of Tom Brady possibly being uh, retiring. You know, I I know that you're you're torn up about it. You appreciate his career. In retrospect, you love the man. So I, I know this might be tough. And I want to thank you for pushing through it.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it's been a tough 24 hours, you know, It's kind of been a roller coaster with maybe he's not retiring. No, he probably is. He just wants to release an NFT about it. So I honestly, I feel like Hunter S. Thompson after Richard Nixon died and he didn't have anyone to, you know, he just felt like his life, there was some part of him died. He didn't have anyone to kick around anymore.
1: Well, alternatively, for those listening at home, Taylor informed me before hopping on this uh, this podcast that he's been on a 24-hour bender and he is currently not wearing pants either. So I think he's been... Doing okay. He's doing just fine over here now. No, that's normal. He's, t-
2: He's torn up about it. I mean, you just have to love the guy, you know. He he beat up on the Bills for like 20 years, but you have to you have to love him, Taylor.
1: You
0: have to respect him. You have to. <laughs> You'll be arrested if you don't respect him. Like, hey, he beat up on our team, but you you got to respect him, or else Julian Edelman will come to your house and have a concussion, and <laughs> give you a concussion too. So I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be dealing with that. I don't want any five-four guys climbing in
1: my window. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to fit pretty easily through. Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> Small crevices.
0: Damn. I actually, yeah. I so honestly, it's been a very annoying twenty-four hours on Twitter. Not that, mm-hmm.
1: that
0: any different than any other time. But hey, glad to be rid of him. I mean, I honestly, I wanted a season where he sucked, like Roethlisberger or like Manning's last season. But we were never going to get that, unfortunately. Chrome's too good. Yeah. And it works, honestly. You can't argue with the results. So yep. I'll, I'll just take him not being around. Like this weekend, obviously, I'm super bummed about the Bills. I'm not bummed. I'm fucking devastated about last yeah. week. But yeah. But there's just a little bit like I'm 90% devastated and like 10% like, oh, I don't have a game I have to care about today for Tom Brady purposes either. Just a rarity in the division or the conference championships.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like I don't want to watch any of it. And if he was playing, I would feel compelled to watch the root against him. So you're right, that, that's a positive.
1: Yeah, I can I can take or leave either of the games. I was actually, before we get into the Sabers talk too, just speaking of the Bills, one thing that I've been thinking about that I've been seeing a lot on Twitter that's been so frustrating is, you know, I get the premise of just our core is young and like Allen is amazing and a freak and is going to continue to be good for sure. And we have now seen that he just can take it to a new level in the playoffs. But for all of these people who are like, Oh, well, we'll be back for sure. It's like, to Mm -hmm. me, I feel like that is just so indicative of people not understanding the gravity of actually being in your title window, because Mm -hmm. like, look at Rogers. I mean, Rogers only has like one, and he is arguably one of the most, I mean, arguably he's one of the most gifted quarterbacks to ever play the position, you know, like the Seahawks, obviously they had a couple of cracks (laughs) at it, but like they have fell off completely. And to me, it's like, you were pretty much gifted on a silver platter and opportunity and had to close this out with 13 seconds left against the team that Mm -hmm. is by and large, probably going to win it while you don't have the best player on your defense, you know, like you are good enough to be in that position, not having Trey white and still pretty much just getting to host the Bengals at home in the AFC championship game. And they blew Mm -hmm. it. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. to me, to Taylor's point about being devastated, I completely agree with that because I in no way have been able to look back fondly on this season and be like, oh, that was a – what a ride that was. Yeah. Like, this was great, like, looking back. It's like, no, we should have – Like it sucks. we are in our title window. We have to win. You have you know, to capitalize. You know
2: what I found? You know, you know what Bill's fans don't say that are the ones who were, like, 35 and heard that for probably months after 1990, you know? Oh, it's devastating to lose a Super Bowl like that but look at this young core, like that was it, you know, that was our best yeah. shot. We never really got close. I mean, you know, obviously being in the Super Bowl, you're close, but you were never nearly that close. How about the chargers, you know, for years, like oh, the youngest core in the league, Phillip rivers. Oh, he'll be back. Like you said, Rogers. And you know, I'm definitely in the opinion that Allen, you know, after this playoffs, it's like, I think he can carry an offense to be, to be, you know, good to great, almost regardless of the talent, but right. that doesn't, that's not really what matters because, uh, you know, it, it's 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 a one game playoff. <laughs> like right. they could be the best team in the league next year and have something stupid happen. What if that go down? Yeah, right. And I mean, nobody, done. <laughs> nobody wants to say this one, and and I hate to, but like this was kind of Cam Newton's <laughs> the Cam Newton path, and look, look at how he aged. You know, it's mm-hmm. like big physical guys; they run a lot. Is your window smaller with them? I don't know. Alan kind of seems like a freak of nature, but that's how people talked about Cam. So, you know, he's a better passer, of course, but I'm talking about in terms of, like, getting, you know, your body getting beat up, and that's what, that's what, you know, leads to decline, or, you know, you come off the rookie contract, it's a little bit harder to supplement, supplement defense, you start to lose coaching, you know, it's like every little bite happens at once. Now, at the same time, I'm not, like, you know, specific to the Chiefs. I'm not someone that's like, well, they'll never beat the Chiefs. That's insane. They just basically did. Right. You know. Yeah, um they also but it's, did
0: beat them in the regular season. Yeah. By 18. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's like it's almost like not the Chiefs that I've it's not specific to the Chiefs. It's just this idea that this this feels like a, a blown opportunity that I hate. I, I it bothers me to see it downplayed because I don't know. That's just people coping in their own way. So I mean, has really, in
1: my opinion, when it comes back, yeah, like, yeah, we're at a new level now. Like we don't have to do this, like you know, second-rate team
2: bullshit anymore. Like, oh, pat we top dogs. Yeah. like let's act yeah. like it. Yeah, which um, I also feel like. I mean, I know I don't mean to do all Bills talk here, but like, I like I. Don't, I feel like one of the big reasons the coaching in the last bit there didn't get ripped nationally is because there still is that feeling of like oh it's the bills you know right isn't it great that they're here if like losers yeah i'm sorry to do this but like if you if the cowboys played that game and lost it that way you know that would be the the entire narrative would be about how incompetent the coaching was in the last you know 25 seconds or whatever yeah uh, or the last it's a great and it's like it almost kind of made me mad to think, you know, I don't want to fire McDermott. I, I I'm really, I, I mean, sometimes in the middle of a game, I'll say it too, but like, I don't want to, I, I don't need to fire McDermott. I, right. Obviously I believe in sort of all the, you know, team building stuff he does, but it's like the lack of, um, yeah, the lack of criticism that if Mike McCarthy did that or if somebody, if the Cowboys did it, or, you know, if, if the, the Patriots did it, or the Giants are like, those those like teams that's perennially there it just was weird to me it was it almost kind of made me annoyed yeah definitely yeah, i understand
0: all that being said uh i think they're still going to win multiple super bowls
2: <laughs> yeah there you go i i fun think fun. I, I just i want to get to one you know like that's, oh, yeah. have that build up that two weeks of fun but
0: for sure so <laughs> the last time we talked there were i'd say a lot of bad vibes surrounding the hockey team uh it was still like I think it was early Kevin Adams era. It was last year. I, I might've actually even been before the season. Like there was some minor, like, mm-hmm. Oh, they signed Taylor Hall, but like overall vibes are not good. Bottrell just got canned Kruger question mark. Jesus. Uh, but I don't know. This is things are definitely different. Basically the entire team has been overhauled new coach, uh, Kevin Adams kind of stepping into the role a little bit better. And then you have like a, a real front office. They hired an assistant GM, two assistant GMs, I think, multiple analytics people, real scouts. They have a full scouting staff again. And obviously they have accrued quite a few prospects via the draft and also trades. So do you think the vibes are better or are we just like being
2: naive? No, I definitely think they're better. I think that there was a lot of the, uh, that last year there was a lot of sort of denial you know, even from myself at times on this, this, this idea that when you look back on it, in retrospect, like, what was the actual pathway to compete with Eichel and Reinhardt in their, at their age and in their competitive window and and then nothing coming up behind them? Right. But what was real is that we, you know, we saw the one path you might argue was, hey, go and sign the biggest free agent, Right. Um, and that was a disaster. And after that, I think I got to a place where I became okay with the Eichel trade because they actually did it the right way in the sense that they did it along with a total, you know, rebuild. And I know that they have nobody coming to their games because of that. And I respect those people who said, no, call me, you know, I'm not in for this one. Um but I actually, in some ways, I respect more that they they faced that head on and said, um, "We know we're not going to have fans showing up for two years, um, but we're not going to trade Eichel and pretend that we can just sort of rebuild this in a year or retool it on the fly." That if we're going to put our fan base through what what is going to be months of hell, you know, in the in the whole Eichel fiasco was, well, we're going to do it within the context of this year. That's all about development, right? Um, and this year's been crazy for a number of reasons, and I think it has for a lot of teams. It's hard to sort of evaluate any team this year, in my opinion, um, given what what the what the COVID restrictions and and uh, the COVID list does to your to your lineup night tonight. But um, you know, it's not it's all about you know looking for and finding positives, and and sort of understanding that within the bigger picture, within the bigger context, they are going to be a team that. That for the first time since I don't know when, probably when Murray first came on board, they actually do understand what they are, and that is not a premier free agent team, not a team that's going to attract talent and quickly, um, you know, turn it into a contender. They are a team that's going to have to do all of the, you know, the the volume drafting, volume development and then adding along the margins, and, and that it's going to take time, and that it's going to take time to win fans back, and that there is not an easy fix. Um, and I think, hopefully, for those fans that stick with them through it, they'll be rewarded at the end. We typically aren't. But I think the reason the vibes feel better, because I do agree, is because I actually think they have a vision for once. Yeah. Um, you know, that vision is is a tough sell for a lot of people. And, I, and like I said, I don't blame those people at all. Um, for checking out but but it's a better vision than than that they've had in the past when they were you know pretending that they could compete with this core that wasn't even close and had no way to improve right
1: and I think you make an interesting point too looking back to when Eichel and Reinhardt came on board you know because back then at the time at least you know we felt like the we had this rich cupboard of prospects that you know, we we had like the deepest one in the league. And then of course, you know, looking ahead now, what, I mean, seven years later, seven, eight years later, we've learned that it really wasn't as good as we thought at the time with some of the guys who we had in the system who we had really high hopes for. With that being said, it kind of feels like this time around when they're really just breaking it all down, you know, looking ahead to, I mean, of course we just got power last year, but looking ahead, I mean, this year, we're expecting top five pick next year. I think they're going to be better, but at the same time, That has to be on the table. I don't really see them trying to go out and get much better outside of what they currently have in the organization right now next year. So to me, though, it feels like they have the, I guess, the slack to be able to do that because of the fact that right now it feels different prospect wise and with the youth on this team um you know I you look at somebody like Peyton Krebs coming back on the Eichel deal like it took him a, a few games you know to really kind of get his feet under him now but he's really producing now and looks he's he looked a lot better than when he first came over um he looks like he belongs a little bit more now which is great you know of course you have Paterka you have Quinn Power as I had mentioned before Darlene's still young um you know you have Cousins Middlestat, Thompson like you know back then in 2014, 2015, you had, Oh, JT Confer's at Michigan. Like he's looking pretty good right mm-hmm. now. Like you didn't necessarily have guys who were already here and getting you excited. And I also think that the guys who aren't here yet, you know, power Levi Johnson, even too, for that matter, you know, back in 2014, 2015, we really didn't have anybody like that in the system waiting in the wings who we knew was going to be there. So, you know, I, Do you feel that way, Kevin? Like, do you feel as though there's like a pretty stark contrast between the 2014, 2015 era, or 13, 14, 14, 15 era Sabres, and then, you know, where we are now, just in terms that the, I guess the organization itself is just filled with talent at this point that it seems like it's legit, like not just like bottom six guys, like you might have some impact players there and maybe adding some two over the next two seasons with two drafts, especially the 2023 draft, that seems to be pretty loaded, but obviously, you know, that's a ways off, but you know, where you're going to have more high end talent coming into the organization.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the deepest that their, their prospect pool has been, you know, it's even deeper than, than Michael and Reinhardt days, because, you know, if you, if you compare, you look at it from sort of a scoring profile junior accomplishment, profile, you know, the, the top guys at that time, you know, were like Bailey Baptiste, you know, those guys are comparable to like what you see from like Josh Bloom, Olivia, Olivia do like these guys who we don't really even talk about in their prospect system. Now they're kind of fun to check in on, but they're, n- they're not going to be the ones who determine if the, if, if the team is good or not, you know, they're, they're role players down the road. Right. And, and I think in retrospect, people didn't really understand at that time that, um, you don't have a good prospect pool if you need every one of those guys to reach their ceiling to be a good team, because what a prospect pool is, is a group of players who are likely to never hit their outcome, their projected outcome, right? And so what you have to do is have two things. You have to have high-end talent, because high-end talent is what gives you an advantage early in a career, so it gives you you know, value contracts. And then you have to have waves of depth not just how much they have now. What you have to do is you have to have as much as you have now, and then you just have to supplement it with three more firsts, which is what they're doing. Um, And I don't think you're going to see them touch one of those picks, by the way, um, this year, because I think that, as you said, next year is sort of this year plus a little bit more expectation, but in, in alignment with that, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to do their version of the ROR trade. I mean, maybe if that comes into their laps and they don't have a, choice but i don't think they're going to go and seek that out um you know i'll be honest like all of that said i would still be talking about their prospect pool in one of these like it looks nice there's depth but you just you know you never know the thing that does make me more inclined to be optimistic about it is the development of quinn because now you actually now you have a guy that could be a top line forward in there and and I don't think you had that before this year. You had Paterka who looked nice. You had you know this the draft from last year where they took like every skilled winger they could take <laughs> with right. every pick, and you had Quinn who was one of these like you know I think even even his fans would say second line power play score. I mean he he looks like a top line player now, yeah. and you don't know, we don't ever know you know it's hard to say. But I got an AHL season that is. Highest scoring, uh, you know, uh, second year draft uh, season ever in in the modern AHL, And I have a few games in the NHL where he looks like he's ready now. So uh, that changed for me, that really changed the calculus. You know, Owen Power going back to college and being great. You know, of course, he's the first pick in the draft. That's what you expect. But um, it's the combination of high end talent with more coming likely. Are they going to pick top five this year or top six? And then what is, what looks to me like real depth. And then people who are going to be evaluating that depth, who I trust a lot more <laughs> than in retrospect, who was evaluating it before. I mean, the big one there is like, um, you know, the big, I don't mean to pick on the guy here. I really don't, but what's the big mistake of the early Eichel Reinhardt years. It's not moving off of Arista Leiden in 2016, Right. Yeah. before you realize that it wasn't going to improve and i think if they're faced with that problem again i trust the outcome more because i, I trust the, the talent they have in that front office more you know
0: yeah i i that's a good point i think in general what you saw with murray early on is he wanted like big big guys for, I don't, for whatever reason <laughs> he loved a good big boy yeah
2: well the, yeah it was the kings you know the kings had were the team so right. that he was modeling after
0: true but that that kind of shows like how short-sighted hockey guys can be because it's like okay he took over kings win the cup in 2014 they're a big team he wants his big guys well the cup in 2013 was the blackhawks who were like the smallest team in the league who's yeah like best or probably third best player at that point but second or third whatever the guy that won Conn Smythe for them was like five nine 160 pounds like mm-hmm. it's just I, I think there was always kind of a, a misjudgment by Murray, but you said, obviously, we, we probably will not get an ROR trade. I mean, like, I agree. I don't think that's happening. But, like, do you think we're going to get our, uh, let's say, Braden McNabb in two seconds for Hudson Fashing and Nick Delorier? Oh, God. That, that's Taylor. That's
1: a <laughs> First question to ask. <laughs> no, obviously
0: not, but I, I I agree with you on the them targeting the right guys, because looking back in the Murray era, like, you're right, a lot of the prospects were overrated, and I'm from the same perspective it was kind of un- unlucky i mean if you would go back at that time it's unlikely that the sabers would get so little out of that pool because there was a lot of guys who were like could be nhlers like mm-hmm. yeah they needed to help yeah. your ceiling for the sabers to actually have good depth but it's like our bailey baptiste uh fashing, uh and then like carrier is good but where's carrier not here uh yeah all those guys to be that bad but yeah, I, I think it actually makes sense because the Sabres have been so bad drafting out of the first round that there's a kind of guy that they're targeting in, in some of their mm-hmm. pairs, kind of an under undervalued kind of guy. That's like, it's refreshing to, to have some kind of draft strategy that works out. Like it, it wasn't that long ago that they were right. drafting like way over drafting Nylander and Middlestat and in back-to-back years, mm-hmm. two different GMs, but still. Uh,
2: but well, yeah. they yeah, they, they, for those couple of years there, they did the thing that I, I absolutely can't stand Um and it's nothing against those these players because I think in the right environment, they can be really effective contributors, but on, you know, like a rebuilding team, a bad team, you're taking, I mean, I call them like, they're like frosting, you know, like or, or like the sprinkles and frosting and the decoration on a cake, like you can't take that before you have the cake. So, yeah. you know, Alex Nylander in another world getting drafted by, you know, I don't know who randomly what good team randomly had a bad year you know like St. Louis they had a random bad year. He's probably a nice player there, you know a nice contributor. You can't do that if you have you don't have the support around that player to allow them to be you know effective. And like obviously the most glaring example of that is, oh, it's okay, we'll replace we'll re- replace Ryan O'Reilly's minutes with Casey Middlestadt, who's 25 months out of being you know going to his junior prom. <laughs> Come right. on. You know, um, and and I I think what's what indicates to me that they have no, no thought about doing that in the future is, is, you know, the the Russian picks that uh, the kids that they took out of Russia in this past draft. Those are players that are not going to be over in North America on an NHL roster for years. Um, And that's fine. But it's like that's a team that's looking to build you know, uh, long-term. And if you're asked, if you go to it, if you went to a, um, you know, like an analytics department, for instance, and asked them nine out of 10 times, they're going to tell you that the player that that RFA player you kind of like is not worth giving up two prospects for because you're not going to be good yet. So, you know, if you look at like, what's the target window for me, I think, you know, like you said, next year is going to be sort of a similar year to this year. But there should be some expectations yep. of improvement, and then I do think by 2023 you want to see them competing for something meaningful. Um, because if not, then you do start to run into the problem that the Eichel teams had, which was, uh, you know, hey, by the time we get this right, all of these guys we've been building and drafting and developing around are going to need a new contract. Right. And now what do we do? So you do need to have some something by then. Um, you know, and as far as like. I guess my one caveat to that would be, I think if they had, I think if they were faced with an opportunity to acquire, uh, I'm going to use the phrase, um, you know, consistent, young goaltending, there's no such thing as this, (laughs) but if they had a chance to acquire what they thought was a young, reliable goaltender, they would use a draft asset to get that. I do. I do believe that.
1: Do you see anybody as being a possibility for that? And I guess that goes for both goaltending and even like across the league. Even if we're talking about a position player, like in your mind, even if it's like not somebody that may necessarily be rumored, like in a perfect world, is there somebody that you feel makes sense for them to pursue that would maybe even be likely to be given up by their uh, respective team?
2: Yeah. I I think it's tricky because how, if you're a goalie that your team is likely making available, it's probably because you're inconsistent. Right. Um, you know, that teams just don't shop those guys. I know, you know, like Carter Hart was the guy who was terrible last year that, you know, I, a little bit in the back of my head, I thought, gee, I wonder if you could maybe, you know, sp- spike him out of there because the talent and track record is just immense. So it was like his only bad year. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, I really don't know. I, there's, there's guys who I know they've been rumored at to. to I, I, pr- I heard, you know, I don't have like any kind of uh Crazy sources here, mm-hmm. but I had I heard they were like in on every goaltender last offseason. <laughs> and right. they just missed on all of them, which is understandable, including Omar, who they tried um, desperately to resign. And
0: not all of them. They did bring in our good friend yeah. Michael, and uh, my father, Cole, <laughs> Craig Anderson. So you can't say they didn't bring <laughs> all the goals. Just all the so... ones probably be in the NHL. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I think the I don't know. I don't know who would be available. Like I think they probably. Um, this we didn't talk about the goalies when we talked about prospects because, you know, talk about unpredictability. But I, I'm sure they're happy with the development of uh, their goalie prospects this year. Yeah, um, big time. You think it's like that ends
1: up in Rochester by the end of the year?
2: I think I think they're, they're gonna they're gonna bust their their hump to get him signed. You have to because Absolutely. you know Portillo. What is he a junior?
1: I think think he might only be a sophomore. Okay, yeah, Yeah, freshman I believe. Yeah, Uh, yeah, his weird like didn't go to college right away thing.
2: But you're getting to the point on him where you don't want to let the clock, you know. You don't yeah. want him playing on that last year unsigned. That's my thing. Yeah, I, I don't it ever feels want. To...
1: Like it would make sense if they went Levi this year, and then next year will be the end of Portillo's mm-hmm. junior season. And who? I mean, obviously, it would be ridiculous if Levi was good enough that after one AHL season he's ready to come up full time. Right. Anyways. I mean, if you get him in and he does well next year, who knows? And then and maybe it makes it a little bit easier for Portillo at that point. I don't know. Um, I
2: think you sell you sell it to, to Levi and Portillo as. Hey, you guys are our our duo moving forward. You know, long term, we see you guys as our. We don't see you as competition to one another. I mean, how many teams play one goalie? You know, right? Seventy games anymore. They don't. So, you know, and then UPL is kind of your bridge to the to the future, and maybe you bring in. They hey, they have to bring in someone. <laughs> they have to bring in yeah. someone this offseason. Um, Absolutely. Ironically, I think if Craig Anderson had just been healthy, it would have been fine. But um that's right. the whole point right it's a 40 year old so they get hurt
0: yeah no honestly that's actually something i was going to bring up like what does the season look like if they get like even normal goaltending or even like slightly below average goaltending like they wouldn't be a playoff team but like i don't know like when they when anderson plays or when telkarski plays there or even when upl played their record isn't bad i mean their scoring is definitely slowed down of late uh but would they just be like not really a playoff team but the kind of like as not as good as like let's say the eighteen nineteen or nineteen twenty savers. Like they'd be one wise. of
1: the in the hunt teams that you laugh at. Exactly, right? Yeah. But they're know, there. I don't
0: know if that's even worth it now. Now that I think about it, because that kind of takes you out of the top five pick range. But it might be. I don't know. It's not fun. Yeah, like, I think like five three all the time.
2: If those games that Arendell like just would choke in the last minute of like that, you know that's not fun for anybody. But I think. They would probably be, yeah, you know what, six to seven points better, maybe, um, which is significant. That's a lot. <laughs> um, and everybody, everybody feels a little bit better about the the you know the team in general. But I'm not somebody who thinks bad goaltending ruins development of, of players around you. I think it can kind of harden you a little bit. And yeah, there's a, there's also this other part of me that says, you know, I don't necessarily hate. Like, is there anybody on this team right now? Any young? Is there any young player on this team right now that looks totally over their head? I, I don't think so. Um, night That's to night, funny. not young. <laughs> no, and I and I don't even mean like like anybody important, you know. Right. Like, um I don't yeah, know. Not really? They, they all. Look, I mean, Victor Olson's looked over his head for about a month, but there's some. I don't know what's going on there, but like. I don't have a problem. They clearly think that, that, like, specific to someone like Cousins, like, Bernardo clearly thinks that the best way to develop him is to throw him in the fire, you know? Right. <laughs> he did it last year. He's done it every opportunity he can. Like, he, he almost revels in it. If you watch some of the matchups in these games, if they're playing a high-end center, he will hard-match Cousins to him the whole first period, and it's like, I don't think that's because that's because Don Granado understands my job isn't to win. It's to challenge him, you know? So do I hate that he's that there's some of these games where cousins is like, and these guys are going out to say, we got to score four goals just to be in it. No, I I don't know that that's bad. Um, Maybe for the defense defenseman, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure how the two things, work in tandem. I think that with better goaltending, we probably feel a little bit better about the forwards, but if we stopped for a minute and, right. you know, looked a little deeper, it's just no different. Uh,
0: yeah, and I, I wonder at this point, like like you said, six or seven points, it, it would make the record look better. It might make people feel better, but, like, would Sabres even have, like, 10% playoff odds at that point, like, with how top heavy? Oh, was? no.
2: Do you know what the cutoff is in the East right now? Pace? Like, 100? No, it's 107. 107? I, this was yeah, this was like last week. I saw that, so oh that could God. slightly change. It's obscene. They're not, you know, there was no world where they were going to make the playoffs. So no,
0: no. But I, I think there's no world even where it look it could look like on December 15th that they might right be. right. This was like it's. I've never seen a conference like this in, in hockey, especially yeah. like it's just eight teams that are clearly the playoff teams by like I said, like December 15th, even earlier, maybe like December 1st. It was just like clear, like these teams are the ones in the playoffs. And it's cute mm-hmm. that Detroit is still trying hard or that the Islanders are talking about games they have to make up still. But, like, these are the teams that are in. We'll figure mm-hmm. out seating later. And, watch, and wow. this
2: division especially is – I mean, look at this division. That, that, there's going to be a Florida, Toronto, Toronto, Tampa, uh, Boston, Florida. You know, one of those – two of those four teams are going to play each other in the yeah. first round.
0: And meanwhile, <laughs> you know. it's going to be, like, Calgary versus Anaheim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <country. laughs> yeah. Oh, that's another that. good reason to rebuild, by the way. You know, wait the division out a little bit. So
0: that's yeah. true. I mean, yeah, the Tampa and Boston really they can't be good forever.
2: Oh, I don't know, but they, I, I've complained every podcast I go on, I end up complaining about how Patrice Bergeron is better every year. I don't understand it. It's insane. It's it's it's
0: extremely annoying. It's also very annoying that like they kind of I guess the medical term would be they shit their pants as a franchise in the middle of the last decade, <laughs> and like had a breakout. Yeah, they did. And it didn't matter. Hamilton, yeah. and like they had that terrible 2015 draft. They traded yeah. Lucic's trades fine, honestly. In hindsight, that was a good deal. But like it was like, oh wow, like Boston's gonna actually suck once these guys age out. And it's like, oh no, actually the next two drafts they take Pasternak and McAvoy, mm-hmm. who are like mm-hmm. both probably top ten at their position. And now they're mm-hmm. probably just gonna be good forever. And Bergeron's never yeah. gonna never gonna age out.
2: No, it's like, he's like Brady, you know, it's like, he's doing something. They need to look into it. He's there. He's involved with some group. I don't know anything, but you know, it's Massachusetts. So everybody there is just a sicko. So very true.
1: Well said. Well, so to transition off of that, getting back into some of the younger guys on
2: the team, I think
1: somebody who I absolutely want to hear your thoughts on Kevin due to the fact that he has been, probably the biggest surprise this season for the Sabres. And that is Matias Samuelson. I cannot say enough of how impressed I have been with him and how pretty much everybody has been, like everybody has been impressed with him. He has Mm -hmm. just been standout good. And I think it's one thing for him to be as good as he's been, but it's another, when you take into consideration how people have viewed him by and large, honestly, up until going into this season, I mean, a lot of people, I know myself and Taylor included, I don't know if you felt this way too, but like that that was just a miss of a pick when they took him. It wasn't what they <clears throat> should have done. It was really like the antithesis of the philosophy that they showed in this past draft where it's like, let's go for the skilled guys, people who can score. Whereas at that, it's like, okay, you have a pick at pretty much end of first round, top of the second round where all these guys are kind of like interchangeable of Probably being first round picks are worthy of being a first round talent, and you're going to go with a low ceiling. What seemingly was a low ceiling two way defenseman, um, but now yeah,
2: former like a former player's kid, of course. U.S. right, hockey. of course, like yeah. Whole, like, you, know. you
1: go for the lineage bullshit, like all of that. Yeah. yeah. And and but now, I mean, my God, he looks like he like is not only ready, but like he belongs. Like he is he's been great for them consistently he has been one of if not their best defensemen out there for for the, these past couple of games
2: yeah absolutely i would i'd be looking to, i was um discussing this elsewhere i'd be looking to get him harder and harder matchups all year to test him because um you know like it looks he looks the part and i think like, <laughs> there's a certain point this year when everyone kind of noticed they like does anybody he realized like Matthias Samson's at like a point of game, point of game in Rochester and he doesn't <laughs> play on the power play. Like, uh, and that's what it is. It's that end of the ice. I mean, like he, he was, I know it was, it was Arizona. They played last night and I'm a freak for staying up to watch it, but there's a shift he's down behind, like at the <clears throat> behind the net, Um, you know, like cycling the puck, like he's a forward and, you know, getting back to cover his position. And it's like, I never saw him do that at the at the team national team. I never saw him do it at the World Juniors, you know. And I'm going to do the comparison that everybody's going to roll their eyes about. You should, um, because obviously neither of these players are anything close to him. But like the Samuelson and Cage Thompson stories, who I think we can both agree is maybe the second most surprising yeah, yeah, or sure. the most surprising. They they, you know, that in the Josh Allen thing. It is proof that. When these guys have like a certain degree of athletic ability in that frame, you know, that if it does come together, it you really have something unique. And and it doesn't come together most of the time. And it didn't look like it was coming together for Cage Thompson, and it didn't look like it was coming together from Matthias Samuelson. All of a sudden his skating improves a little bit. Cage Thompson's confidence with the puck improves a little bit. He gets to a coach who says, maybe you'd work more at center and you've now all of a sudden you've got two really intriguing players. Obviously, Josh Allen is like, you know, the 10 steps above that version, right? (laughs) But it's the same idea that I don't know that they, that that happened to them by design. (laughs) I think they took Matias Samuelson because he's Jeff Sanderson's kid and he played for the national team and they had six scouts at the time, but Whatever reason they took him, it sure looks like it worked. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. And you're not a sicko for staying up to watch that because I stayed up until <laughs> 2 a.m. to uh and I put fifty dollars in the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors basketball. Jesus. Oh my god.
2: Yeah. At college sick. basketball. Jeez.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I'm such a sicko that they went down twenty-three to four and uh did not give up, did not cash out, and they came back and covered. So
2: you didn't hedge or anything here.
0: <laughs> Apparently me. <laughs>
2: I see people posting their their three way parlays all the time, and it's like, you know, it's always like two normal things, and then it's like, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Fickles Fickelson uh, to place in the Formula One race. It's like uh, that's why I don't do, that's why I can't do this.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's bad. That was. Yeah, that reminds me, we should probably at some point do an ad read for
1: DraftKings. I guess I'm supposed to
0: do that, but I do not have the script in front of me. Well,
1: let's ask Kevin another question about something, and while you do that, I'm going to get that up. Yeah, so I was actually going
0: to ask uh, regarding Samuelson, like, what are you looking at the defense going forward? So now Samuelson seems like he's a piece. Darlene will be here. Yogi Haru may or may not be here, but what do you think of the idea of extending Mark Pezic going forward?
2: Yeah, I think they, I don't think they're going to have a choice. They're going to have to give him a year. Um, or, it, and frankly, if he, if he says, I need two to stay, I think they have to because you're going to lose Miller at the deadline. Um, and you've got, you got what? At that point, you've got Mark Pezik, who's a UFA, you've got Yoki Karyu, who is is not a, a top pair. He's not pushing. He's not an advantage on the top pair. Yeah, you know you've got a couple of guys. Who everybody says, "Oh, they can play offhand," but I never want to trust that. Um, and then you know I, I trust my Amherst people and um, you know Chad from Dime, or, uh, from Expected Buffalo when they tell me you know Laxon and he's got points and it looks nice, but the defense is like a mess. So you know I don't know that I can trust him in a significant role next year. I think he's more of an interesting piece. So I think that they're going to have to do it. Um, I think it'd be uh, using an asset on a right-handed defenseman would be the second place I would expect behind goalie if they ever were to. Um, But that's an expensive market. (sighs) It's one that they've gotten burned in before. So I don't know. To that
1: point though, you know, you kind of alluded to it there. And I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, is something going to have to give with them, though, on the left side where they're going to have to try a guy in a yeah. end? Because next year you're looking at Dalene Samuelson, and Power. And realistically, those are three guys that should be in your top four.
2: Yeah, I mean, in terms of my left side, like long-term, big picture, you know, I get yelled at for this all the time. I don't understand why people are insulted by this. I need Daleen to be my second pair defenseman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I need him to be – I don't know why people would be against the idea of him playing, like, easier minutes and cut loose more – and then I've got Owen Power, who can play, ideally, a top pair role, kind of use him however it turns out that he's best suited. Now I've got Samuelson, who I can use in a matchup role, and I can trust that he's going to, you know, handle that okay, I think. It's only been a few games. I just That's my that, left side. I don't want to touch that. I don't want to put one of those okay. guys in the right. Okay. Yeah. So, you do, know.
0: Do you think uh, – I just thought this was a comparison. Do you think this is fair? As a future uh, having Owen Power be our Alex Pietrangelo and Eden be our Kevin Shattenkirk.
2: Yeah, the other one, the other one I like is like, um, like, like a Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin type thing, you know, yeah. Or like, um, uh, like I'm going to say Chara for Power, and that's like crazy, but like Chara and Tori Krug, you know, a, a better sure. Tori Krug. You know, I, I think that that's. Um, Yeah, that's kind of what you have to do. You have to say, like Owen Power to me is offensively, was way underrated offensively among scouts and is probably a little further along there than he is defensively still. But he profiles as a guy who's going to give you, like, across the board good play, right? I can play him a lot of minutes. He's going to be able to do a little bit of everything. You know, I think it's pretty clear that if you ask Darlene to be a – both ends of the ice, impact player. He's just not there, you know. Um, right. So we got to we gotta understand that. <laughs> you got to be okay with it. Don't be mad that that's what your first overall pick g- gave you. That can still be a useful player. But, you know, find a way to sort of utilize that. And I think for years, we've all talked about, like, we got to play Darlene with a safe right-hand D who can cover for him. Will Borgen, um, Mark Pezik, Henry Yoki Haru. I'm looking now, it's like, I'm going to give him someone he can run with now. That's what I want, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just give me a second pair that I can tell. Go play the highest event hockey you have to. We're going to use you when we're chasing games. We're going to play – you're going to play more when we're behind. Because we've got these two other guys who can sort of shut the game down, ideally. Right. Um, but to your point, like, that means Ryan Johnson or Jacob Bryson or someone's going to have to play on the offside, Right. I don't right.
1: No, absolutely. And I think that point about Darlene is, is is such a great point. It's something that Taylor and I both have talked about a lot. That, yeah, maybe, you know, w- when you think about it in the context of like, okay, this guy's a number one overall pick, you expect, like, on the surface mm-hmm. level, you know, like Victor Hedman, you expect like a guy who's going to be an all situations mm-hmm. kind of player. You expect what we are talking about power should be. With mm-hmm. Darlene, though, I still think you walk away happy with the player, if he is a, like you said, a high event, like 60 point guy every year, I will gladly Mm -hmm. take that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
2: these fans don't don't really complain about Morgan Riley that much, you know, and he's, he's been their top pair defenseman. What if he was their second pair defenseman? Right. You know, that's, that's the vision I see. That's pretty good.
1: Really good. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. Sure. all right we're gonna quickly uh let the soul leave my body as i read this DraftKings kings ad read here so just everybody <laughs> i'm a i'm just gonna apologize in advance and give it a, like a trigger warning for i should everyone. say
0: uh, is this the ad for this because this will be nine.
1: oh you're right actually by this point it was gonna start off with four teams remain so in the yeah. nfl playoffs yeah
0: shit, by the time people listen it's, it'll only be two kevin which
2: two nfl playoffs are over
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that.
2: They ended last week.
0: I yeah, okay. I, I you know what? Yeah, that's a good that's a good strategy. That's honestly how I feel about mostly every
1: MLB postseason. So <laughs> yeah, fair. Well, okay. Well, we'll say right now for the time of us reading this, four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, but that means at the time that you all are listening to this, only two will be left. The big game will all will be all that remains, two teams, one from the AFC. That is not the Bills, and one from the NFC, whoever that may be, will be left, and you will be able to bet on them at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to one odds on any team, bet just five dollars and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the, the well. You can experience the Super Bowl with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, Taylor, tell the people what they got to do. All right, download the
0: DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner, the NFL, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania, New York only. New customers only. Minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred
1: GAMBLER.
2: All right. So I feel you like... guys read that. You guys read that better than Bill Simmons.
0: Wow! <sighs> Thank
1: you. My gosh! Wow. I think we need to like make it, that clip, like put it on like stone yeah. one day or something like that. It what should be
2: like the tagline for your podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Better than Bill Simmons. Wow! Do wow. mm-hmm. We make t-shirts. Yeah. I think it's, we could
0: do. That. Are we sure Bill Simmons is good?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's good, uh, Ke- Kevin. I want to actually, you know, we, we had a chance to really dive into some of the the goalie prospects and talking about Levi and Portillo. Talked a bit about the defensive core there with Daleen and Samuelson and, and Johnson and power, of course, and we got into the forwards a bit, but I want to get back into the forwards there, um, you know, before we, we wrap up the analysis portion of the podcast here before uh, I think Taylor has a quiz for us, but um, you know, I think again, going back to this point about the, the depth of the prospect pool right now and the, the range of outcomes that we could see from some of these guys um it definitely leads to a lot of optimism there and you know when we talk about somebody like tage who has really seemingly turned a corner and and kind of given everybody a breath of fresh air with him and and looking at him in a new light another guy who we had saw start to really do that a little bit at the end of last season but unfortunately this season he's been plagued by injuries for much of them is casey metal and so i'm just kind of wondering and I'm curious for, I guess, where you stand on middle stat as a piece moving forward. Like, do you think that, you know, what we have there is like firmly a potential like middle six center? Or do you think that ultimately he's just a guy that is going to flame out and not really be able to hack it in a way that would be palatable for a guy that's maybe an underwhelming top 10 pick?
2: Yeah, it's hard to say because, you know, if you asked me last year in April, I would have said yeah, he definitely can be a middle six center for them. If you ask me now, you know, it's, it's harder to answer through no fault of his own. It's just been a lost year for him. Um, I've always felt like they kind of set up the Tage and middle stack contract situations to almost get to a point where they're picking one or one or the other to build around. And if that's the case that, you know, I don't think that he, I think it's pretty clear who you pick at this point. Um, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, a lot of it is like, it's, you know, I get this question a lot and I think, and there's a part of me that thinks Middlestad is the piece that you move ultimately once you're sort of looking to um, take your team and sort of uh, address need immediate needs um, and and positional needs and so forth. You know, on the other hand, I think if you ask them, they would say, listen, right now we're just collecting every forward we can
1: (laughs) We're right. gonna
2: put all of our youth, you know. We're gonna give it. You're gonna have <clears throat> twelve forwards, and, and ten of them are gonna be, you know, youth or development pieces. And we're just just talk to us in two years, and I think that's the right path. I think the idea is, there's they're in no rush to to move either of the two. Um, they're under no pressure to do so. They're not going to be any under pressure to do so, even if they drafted three forwards in this year's draft, they're not going to be, you know. So right now, if you said. Hey, for whatever reason, uh, they want to move a center for a right shot defenseman. It's such a big need. They want to address it now. I think Metal Stats the odd guy out. But in two years, who knows who's playing where? Is is Peyton Krebs playing center? Because he's looked pretty good on the wing to me, too. Um, Is Dylan Cousins definitely playing center? I think so, but you you never know. Um, Do they win the lottery and pick Shane Wright? Or do they pick fifth and take? you know, the, the, one of the two right shot defense, but all of those things are going to contribute to what the real answer is. I think it's right of fans to look at them and say, is this the odd guy out? But I think realistically, everybody should just take a deep breath and say, I don't think that anybody who uh, can't rent a car yet is going anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, you know, they're just going to look at them all. Um, you know, if, if they moved for could I see a moving Victor Olofsson? Yeah. Cause it was aging contract and, You know, but they're not going to do that now when he's at the lowest point of his value in three years. So I think everybody needs to sort of and people don't always like to hear this. We got to sort of strap in for the it's going to be a long, not long. It's going to be a steady ride of development. They're not going to make anything, any huge shakeup trades. Ultimately, the version of the Sabres that makes the playoffs and is competitive within them. For me, do I think both he and Thompson are on the team? I would probably lean towards no, but such a, a huge number of things could happen between now and then that it's almost impossible to say. You know,
1: yeah, definitely fair. So before we get to this uh,
0: this game thing, I have <laughs> I wanted to give you like ninety seconds to talk about uh, Canada's Quebec's favorite five foot two forward, Cole Caulfield. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, where do you start? It's just, just <laughs> He's just a, an unprecedented talent. Uh, nobody has ever scored a bunch of goals in the USHL on an all-star team. He's literally the first guy to ever have a point of game as a freshman in college. It's just unheard of. No one ever did it before, and you can see now, you know, how great it is. You know, it's just amazing. Honestly, like, I pick on him, and I, I do want people to realize that, like, take my critiques of him as a broader critique of like prospect Twitter um, because it would take you 10 seconds to look into Cole Caulfield's, um, you know, prospect production, actual production, and be like, Hey, that looks like a nice prospect. But the freak out about anybody who has a good two weeks that is televised. is like, you know, we saw it with middle Stat. speaking of, yeah. um, you know, like everybody just, just relax. There's nobody. There is no prospect in hockey who has solved the act of shooting to such a degree that they're going to like change hockey. It's just not, it's, it doesn't exist anymore. You know, like this is one of my things that I've talk, I've, I've been going back. I'm working on developing it. Like, and you guys, you guys can tell me if I'm missing something, how many guys come into hockey right away and dominate anymore? You know, we don't have Crosby, Ovechkin, Stamkos. Um, I mean, the last one is Matthews, right? Yeah. You know, you might say Patrick Laine, but, you know, everybody infamously was telling you there's issues here. (laughs) Right. It just doesn't happen. You know, Jack Hughes takes two and a half years. Lafreniere still hasn't, um, you know, Owen Power's not going to be a Norris guy next year. Like, and and my theory is there's there's nobody to beat up on in the NHL anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. nobody's running the fourth line that you can eat alive nobody's running a third pair that is so horrible that a night that an 18 year old kid can dance around them anymore like with each year that talent level increases look at a team like buffalo you know a bad team right and we've got mark pesic on our third pair a lot of nights yeah that that's not what it was 10 years ago you know mm-hmm. so on one hand Caulfield is a case of like the 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 Montreal and Canadian media freaking out about a player who like looked like an okay prospect was picked where he should has an obvious talent and a lot of Sabres fans thinking that they passed on him because he was short, which is just insane. like Short guys get drafted that, that very same draft Jack Hughes went first, you know? Right. So there's anyway, it's more about prospects. It's about this, the way we view prospects. And at the same time, I do cut him some slack because if you look at every prospect across the board, they're taking longer to really dominate now. They're in the league quicker. They develop quicker, but they really don't dominate quicker. It takes longer to dominate now. So maybe he'll be a great goal scorer. I'm sure he's going to have a nice career. I think it's hilarious. He only has one goal. This could not have gone better for my brand. I'm going to be thanking Cole the next time I see him. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right so you mentioned a couple of guys here uh what you were saying is kind of on topic for this uh this game quiz whatever you want to call it basically uh there's been a lot of talk about crosby and ovechkin who like you said they were great right away when they came in the league uh ovechkin uh, might be the mvp might win the hard trophy this year at age 37 i think he is second in yeah. maybe, maybe second in points and second in goals uh Learned how to have assists again, so that's something unbelievable. He's probably – he honestly might break the record before the last year of his contract, the all-time goals record. And then also Crosby's been getting hot of late, and even at his – he's not that old. I guess he's 34 right now, 34, 35. He is above a point a game again, which I think would mean that he's been above a point a game every season of his career, which is kind of crazy because it's been quite a while. So those are two obvious great first – Overall picks, and they obviously both lead their draft classes in points. But I'm wondering if you guys can tell me who leads every draft class since then in points. So, oh, I'm going to start with Kevin, mm. since you're the guest, we're going to start in 2006.
2: Um, all right, I gotta remember who's in it. Uh, let's see. So, Crosby is 05.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah, so just to clarify, is- Ovechkin is 04 crosby's 05 so who do you think is the so most this
2: is points? this is lockout forward
0: yes basically
2: okay okay because that is what the era that i know better all right well i know that it's eric johnson first overall and it's not him um oh i'm gonna probably be wrong because it's probably someone nick backstrom it is wow yeah good call oh uh, see i thought maybe drew okay
0: yeah, there's also um, the uh, the Tays draft, so it could have been him. But, oh, I
2: didn't even think of him, yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: I thought that might trip people up.
1: But, uh, all
0: right, so, Brendan, yours is 2007.
1: God, who went first that year? Uh, boy.
2: I think who went first is the answer. That's what I mean. I um
1: <laughs> Who did go first in 07? Is that – No, because he's, I think, 08. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, is it Kane? Yep. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah, yeah he was that. Yeah, I, for like whatever reason, I was like, did he go 08? But I, 08, I, never mind, I'm not going to say who I think the one in 08 is. So that's, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Honestly, not even close then to whoever was second. I think Borachek. Yeah, that's a good. bad Oh, that's yeah. A bad. Like by yeah. forward to right. point. Not a great draft. That's fight.
2: like a, a famously shallow draft. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, James Van Rintyke was second. KBR, so. yeah. uh, 2008,
2: Kevin, what do you think? All right. Well, 08 is Stamkos first, who I think I saw him score his first goal. Um, wow. I'm going to say Stamkos, but I'm a little worried about the injuries. I'll say Stamkos. Yes, it is Stamkos. Still, okay. Is there anybody wow. catching up or no?
0: Kind of, yeah. I don't remember who it was, but yeah, like you said, the the for goals it's not even close. Yeah, I, uh, I don't remember who was catching up to him. I think Dowdy went second that year, so he wouldn't even be close.
2: Yeah, Dowdy and Carlson are in that draft, but I, maybe Carlson, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, but yeah, nine hundred seventeen points. He's really banged a lot of points early in his career. Um, mm. Brendan, two thousand nine. Tavares. That's correct. Another first overall pick, eight hundred fifty
2: nine points. Is, that's what I mean. Like it used to just be like, and all these guys are right away, you know. They were great right away. 100%. I
0: mean, right away or whenever Barry Melrose got fired.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, 2010. Uh, uh, whoever got this one, I knew it. it's just a coin flip, isn't it? Um, this is Hall Sagan. I'm going to say Hall.
0: Incorrect, Brendan. Do you want to steal?
1: I mean, is it Sagan? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's weird because like Sagan has barely played the last couple of years, but that's Ryan, why
2: I picked Hall. Yeah, not
0: uh doesn't produce points anymore wow. for whatever reason. Decided to have a lifestyle change like four years ago and stop doing that. Uh, so Brendan, twenty eleven.
1: Uh, Wasn't this a pretty D heavy draft? This is, if I'm not mistaken, this is
2: uh, 20, 2012 is the D draft. <laughs> oh, 2012
1: yeah. is, yeah, okay. Um, 2011. I'm I'm probably a year too early. What is it, Jonathan Huberto? Or no. A couple years too early? No, no,
0: no, you're in the right year.
1: Oh, really? He yeah. was that draft? Wow.
0: Yeah, but he's not correct. Kevin, you want to Shit. steal? Shit.
2: I only know this because I know, if I'm right, I know they're the same draft classes at Kucherov. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's a tough one. But they're close because he just, he just passed them or something, I think. Or maybe it was Huberto just passed someone. I don't remember.
0: Huberto is very much catching up, but he's also got like 100 plus games played on Kucherov. Wow. Uh, okay. 2012.
2: So this is the the worst draft ever, but the answer is yeah. easy. It's Zemgus Jurgensen's. So <laughs> <taking the> points. <laughs> Yeah, um, I have no clue. Thomas Hurdle.
0: No, I think he's second or third.
2: This is a terrible draft.
0: 2012.
1: Yeah, 2012.
2: Is this? Uh, oh, I know who it is. I just figured it out.
1: 2012. Who the hell could this be? Um, let's say. God, I I'm pretty torn on this actually. Is it L- Landeskog? No, uh, I
0: think he was that year. But no, it's it's Philip Forsberg. Oh, yeah, 121 okay.
1: no, no, points. So. He's great. Terrible draft. Yeah, he's he's good at least. But yeah,
2: definitely mm-hmm. he
1: ended up going what like eighth overall or so, eighth or ninth maybe. Uh, he was right before we took Gregorenko.
2: I think he went like 11th and he got traded the next year. Crazy, Martin. Yeah. You're at. Oh, oh yeah.
0: All right, so that I think then that you guys remain tied at three, and it is Brendan's turn, Oof. and this is 2013.
1: That just made me realize I'm very lucky to get the layup that is 2015, but uh, hmm. 2013... Yeah, Zach's an Exactly, yes. Um, oh, man, who would this one be... How about damn, um, it's tough, try to just like go through guys. it is a male if that helps, yeah, it is a guy, is it <laughs> thank you, Taylor, um give
2: it. 2013 okay i got 20 no i was forgetting the year 2013 okay yeah 2013, 2013.
1: Yeah. i'm trying to remember this draft i don't know why um is this Barkov? that is a correct draft but no that's not correct god damn kevin
2: and then it's got to be mckinnon's
1: yeah it's mckinnon oh my god what yeah, am i doing so i would
2: have i would have I guessed Barkov too because mckinnon was slow to start right i, I just really
1: forgot about mckinnon for whatever reason damn yeah crazy all right all right uh Kevin, uh your turn to choose a 20 your
0: guess. It's 2014.
2: All right. I'm gonna say dry sidle. There's a tiny part of me that's worried. It's past but dry sidle.
0: Yes. Uh you're right okay. to be worried, but it is it is a uh, dry sidle. Uh, 567 points.
2: Yeah, point he's now. nuts.
0: He's quite a few ahead of the two Sams that dominated the pre-draft discussion.
2: Who are both on the same team now and they are probably aren't they trying to acquire um so they have Ekblad, Bennett, Reinhardt, and then there's someone else they're rumored on. They have the first like three of the first four picks in that Same. Oh
0: my god. I yeah. Well, I guess they won't be able to get dry still, but yeah, I don't remember who was fifth that year. There's
2: somebody else who um it, hmm. yeah. That's
0: crazy. No, it's
2: like it's not, it's it's it, I think it was somebody further down. Um I don't look up that draft. I don't know. Huh. I, I don't have it.
0: It's like the uh, the bills uh, at different points just had like everyone in the top ten of the two thousand six draft. Like obviously they drafted Whitner, but then they like they got Vince. Oh Williams, yeah, they got Matt. Leiter, yeah, they got Reggie Bush and Mario Williams. All the busts. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, yeah. No, Mario was good.
0: Mario was good. I don't. I don't care uh, if Jerry Sanders oh. that. <laughs>
2: Twenty fourteen has point too, but he Braden point, but he. Play Bloom. Probably didn't play because he was in junior for a couple of years. So. Right.
0: Yeah, he's definitely uh, has way fewer games played. Uh, 2015, Brendan. You want some time to think about it. Mm. Yeah,
1: I actually don't need any. I know the answer is Noah Hannifin. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is, of course, of course, Connor McDavid. Yep, 632 points already. On his way
0: to a thousand. Not bad. All right, so this is actually yeah easy one too. Kevin, 2016.
2: Yeah, this is easy. Big Alex Neilander. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Matthews. I don't think anybody's close.
0: Yeah, no, not really. Yeah, he has 396 points.
2: Uh, is line a second?
0: Oh, man. I don't know. I, I looked at this earlier. line a Oh, you got him. the
2: first. I usually get the first. Okay.
0: Yeah, he was like... He has way fewer points than I thought.
2: Honestly. He never gets assists, so... Yeah,
0: it doesn't help. He doesn't score goals. It either. might
2: be like... It might be someone like Matt Kachuk or something.
0: You know what? It is. It is Kachuk.
2: That's okay.
0: cool. um, all right. Uh, Brendan,
1: 2017. Uh, I, I don't know if... Because this is the Heesher draft. Yeah. And I don't know if it's him. It did, something t- is telling me it's not him. I'm trying to think of who else. Obviously, Patrick was too... <laughs> uh, yeah, God. Um. Uh, Cause then it was this. Is it Cal Macar? No. Damn. I think I don't think that's the right draft. But maybe oh,
2: he it might be actually. the next. Year. No, that, that's no, that's the right draft. It
0: is. Yeah, that's right. Cause he, he was in college for like two years after that.
2: Yeah, um, I know these drafts pretty well now. So is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Is it Elias Patterson? It is. Oh, oh Patterson. Patterson, right? Yeah. But that's also that's high skin and two. That draft falls apart after like five picks. Right. (laughs) All right. So yeah, guess where we picked. By the way, (laughs) uh,
1: good stuff. Uh, I'm gonna go jump off my balcony real quick. (laughs)
0: 2018.
2: Um. So this is Darlene's draft, and I actually don't even think that he's a terrible pick. Um. Sveshnikov is like. The guy who's good but doesn't score as much as he should. Uh um I know, I saw, is it Svechnikov?
0: It is Svechnikov, 177
2: points. How close is oh, darlene has gotta be close? Yeah, I'm gonna look him up on a hockey reference.
0: Darlene is number two in that draft.
2: I think it's gotta be because at that point they were the only two that and Kachuk played right out of out of the draft year. Yeah. Aline has 135, so.
1: Eh, not too far off. Uh, Brendan, 2019. I mean, it's it's got to be Kevin's favorite player, Cole Coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. There's a
2: couple bangers in this draft. I know who I'm picking. Oh,
1: uh, boy. I mean. Or it could be Taylor's favorite player, Capo Caco. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it's,
0: not, it's not the guy with 13 career points,
1: surprisingly.
2: <laughs> Look, at, if he plays with the right line mates and he gets the right usage and the right coach and the weather's right and um, they're not mean to him at MSG Arena and the scorers don't cheat, he'd have a lot more points.
1: He yeah. yeah. sounds like Capo Caco-Linen. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. ask. laughs> um, Jack Hughes? That's correct. He has 77 points
2: uh kevin 2020 okay um it's actually these kind of get tricky because there's always some weird guy who played more games so this is um lafreniere by Stutzla, that's uh um right quinn raymond uh, blah, 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 blah. um Boy, this would be really funny if if Lafreniere was the was first. Um, That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, he might be because it's. A, this is where there's like the the strong bias towards guys who have played. You know. Yeah. Like I mean, even if you haven't been good, you you still lead your early draft. And I'm just trying to think that um, if there's anybody, I don't is, Lucas Raymond's this draft, but I don't think he's caught up. Just pick. Um it has been hurt. Sutzl's been good. I don't know if he's been good enough. All right. I'm gonna, I is Lucas Raymond. No, Brendan, what do you think? Oh god, for
1: uh oh shit. Um I was totally gonna guess Raymond. That's what I was expecting that, uh Uh, wow, I'm not prepared for this. Is it is it Lafreniere? No, it wow. is. Uh... Yeah, it's
2: Stutzler, isn't it, right?
1: Oh, it yeah. is? Oh, duh, obviously. Jesus. Yeah, he's played. Uh, well,
0: Lafreniere, I believe, played the most games. That's why He I figured... doesn't score either. Damn. But like, <laughs> his, like his friend Capo, he's untouchable. He'll be in New York until 2045. <laughs> uh
1: and i do think i know this one this one is a little bit of it's not an obvious guy right for 2021 yeah is it cole sillinger it is from yeah, yeah. it has 13
0: points uh yeah no power all basically four of the top five
1: picks you had like
2: eckland for like a week and then I this would have been mctavish there. if they kept him up yeah yeah
1: for sure for yeah. sure um
0: he,
2: he yeah, looks like, like beyond ready oh Damn.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: I think the final there, let's see, that is 16, and you guys pulled two, so I think that was an eight six
1: final? Yeah, eight six. Sounds like fake news. Nice. Yeah. Well,
2: you're cheating.
1: (laughs) Well, Kevin, thank you so much for for coming out. We really appreciate it. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about what you got going on? Is Between Two Rebuilds got any uh,
2: Yeah, we're doing, we're coming out, um, We've got like three episodes in the bank. Um, we did sort of like a uh, equipment upgrade and sort of a new, um, yeah, a couple of new ideas. We had some had to sort of take a break in the fall, but we've got three episodes in the bank that are going to be coming out. Basically, for those people who don't know, we get people from Sabers Twitter, Hockey Twitter, to come on and talk about music that they like. Um, it's myself and uh, TJ, who's at Steady Riot on Twitter. Um, we've got an episode that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks going over sort of our, some of our favorite records songs and music from last year uh, which is a little bit of a different um, <clears throat> a different, uh, I guess style than we usually do we usually focus on one record but uh, yeah new episodes are going to be coming out I think we're aiming for February to start posting uh, a couple of times a month we usually go along with the episodes so they take a little bit of a time to get set up in that so I think you can find that on twitter at between uh rebuilds and on itunes at between two rebuilds the number two uh, And you can find me on twitter at ngwriter 825 um and that's basically all i have going on
0: nice nice very I, nice i, I uh, wanted to say because uh in general uh one and not really a rant but we had like a 30 minute discussion about the baseball hall of fame last week and like right <laughs> after the pod wraps i saw a tweet that someone had done like calculations of the public ballots the people that made their ballots public versus non-public tend to be the older people and the biggest differences in people that the non-public ballots didn't vote for was a steroids guy really they were far less likely to vote for bonds clemens those Arod, a-rod all those guys if they, if you didn't reveal your ballot but the person that they were way way more likely to vote for the most more likely to vote for than any than the uh public ballots uh was omar Vizquel. so i guess my rant about oh, yeah. uh the character clause being uh loosely applied or inconsistently applied I don't know. i thought that was more evidence i could have used if that happened
2: an hour it's ago. also funny because like that's the guy you're gonna like jump over the morality stuff for omar vizcal he was like in he's when i think hall of fame i think the guy who you know like if i got his baseball card in the pack i would put it with the commons
1: yeah <laughs> the guy who
0: who's a career like below average hitter and it's not even close
1: below average yeah Brendan Ryan with good PR. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on for everybody listening. Thank you. you can find him on Twitter at NTWriter825. Make sure you're following him there. Make sure you're also checking out between two rebuilds wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, streaming platforms, wherever social media platforms you're on. And also make sure you're following us as well. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Straight Up Sabers. And wherever you're listening to us right now, whatever your streaming platform of choice, make sure you are subscribing to us. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday this week. Once again, Kevin, thank you very much. This has been Straight Up Sabers.